Welcome along. It's uh, February the 19th, 2020, episode 88 from the Valley Podcast. Your host, Tim Wilshire, Brisbane Business Life. Today I've got a very special guest here on the podcast, first time that he's been on the podcast. Uh, so I'll just uh, introduce this guest, uh, fairly well known in Brisbane. Um, he He's on the executive board of the uh, BNC, which is the Brisbane North Chamber of Commerce. Um, he has a business by the name of Profit Mechanics. Uh, he's a basically uh, an exceptional business coach helping small businesses from all different walks of life be able to improve their, uh, I guess, way of living, numbers and all that sort of stuff incorporated into to that as well, but it goes beyond that. Uh, and also, this guy is the king. He's the king of doing the fastest noughts and crosses puzzles <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Welcome along, Dan Buzzer. Uh, thank you, Mr. Wilshire. Good to see you, mate. Yeah, yeah, I am known for knots and crosses. Yeah. So I remember uh, we we've done a um, a joint uh, a joint presentation to to clients um, uh, of of ours. I guess some. I think I think the the sort of themes were asset protection was sort of my thing. Uh, there was a lawyer who sort of did some possibly some estate planning, and then you had some some business improvement type tips and strategies uh, at a coach at a, at a sort of level like that. So, and one of the sort of one of the little things that you got everyone to do was play these games of noughts and crosses, uh, and then basically play them in the fastest way possible, and it just got faster and faster. And there was a whole there was a whole sort of concept behind that, wasn't there? Yeah, so um, it takes about three minutes to do, and you can do it with, if you've got employees, uh, it's a great exercise to do, and it sort of shows the the e-myth lesson of slowing down to speed up. So we say, okay, you've got 60 seconds, um, team up with somebody, the goal is to get through as many games as you can in 60 seconds, and the way they go, they go a bit crazy, and then um, we go, okay, time's up, how many did you get through? We go around, tally them all up, and then we say, right, Now we're going to give you another 60 seconds, but all I want you to do is just discuss how you could get a better result if you had that opportunity again. So they talk about it and people sort of look at each other weird. And then they do it again. We give them another minute to actually play the game. And uh, we actually held it last night at the chamber. We had our Maximize Your Workshop. um, Same thing, yeah. Yeah. And we had one, one team and they had one game at the first round, (laughs) like really competitive. And then they had to think about it, and then they got nine games. So it was a 900% increase. Um, and we had other people get three or four games out, and then they go to 20. But the record is 86 games. In a minute. In a minute. So they sort of... Because you read all those games. <laughs> yeah, we have auditing, <laughs> loose auditing. But And the lesson is when you slow down to speed up, when you work on your business, not in your business, and when you measure things, yeah. uh, it makes a massive difference. Mm. And so we start our workshops and presentations off with that thought and we bring people back to that because when we start going through numbers and pricing and databases and things like that, you have to do that slowing down. You can't do it on the trot trying mm. to run your business at the same time mm. so we, we bring people back to that point so so yeah I've been doing that presentation probably for about 12 years now so mm. I probably am the noughts and crosses guy <laughs> the noughts and crosses king mind you. <laughs> so that's that's a bit of introduction there but I guess going back a little bit further than that Dan going back a little bit further than that um, tell us about whereabouts you were born and where, where you sort of grew up early in life oh I grew up half in Sydney and half in Noosa um, and uh, sort of, I guess Brisbane is sort of in the middle of that. And um, my father was in a small business. He was a brickies labourer, 
one day decided to make more money and bought into a little food business in Sydney. Um, and uh, then he found out what hard work really was. And he was terrible at it. And we hardly got to see him and all that sort of stuff. And uh, as a teenager, I was sort of starting to dislike this idea of business. And then I got a job with a guy called Cyril Maloney. He's worth 350 million. Um, and what I noticed about Cyril is he didn't work. He had a great life and uh, he owned a whole bunch of pubs and hotels and property and things like that. As a 19 year old, he took me under his wing and I just saw a completely different side of property, uh, of uh, business. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I got into the franchising industry and learned that you could systemize these things. And, and now the goal has been to you know, educate people that are interested in learning how to do business smarter mm. um, you know how to do that and we've got a, a pretty simple process we help mm. people with so you sort of jumped a, a bit there but so we've um, did you have any siblings any sort of brothers or sisters yeah so I've got two half sisters mm-hmm. um, one lives in uh, London she owns a fairly large um, casting agency yep. so she does casting for Facebook um, Coca-Cola big companies okay. like that uh, she's got a team of about 10 people and I've got another sister who lives in Sydney and um, she just basically um, uh, works in a retail industry sort of environment. And, um, you know, I've, um, yeah, that's yeah, that, that's basically the, the siblings thing. And uh, growing up, uh, did you any particular sport that you sort of got into as a youngster? Um, different sports. I did a little bit of time in triathlon, things like that. Basically anything long and painful <laughs> I sort of got involved in. So you're sort of a bit of a cross-country runner as well? or um, Not so much cross-country running. Um, I mean, in triathlon we did a fair bit of running and that sort of thing. Um, but it, I've always done some sort of a sporting thing, like healthy body, healthy mind. Yeah. Um, and always fairly challenging. And of late I've been into powerlifting. So um been, been lucky enough to, to win a couple of national um, titles in that. How long have you been doing powerlifting for? Uh, a bit over three years now. So, so what do you mean national titles? Um, so masters. Oh, okay. Now I'm in my mid-40s. Um, so you have to be of a certain age? Uh, yeah, so they've got different <laughs> yeah. different categories of masters, masters one, masters two, and things like that, uh, and then weight class as well. Okay. Um, so uh, last year it was in Cairns, and I was lucky enough to take out my category. The year before it was in Melbourne, and I took it out then, um, and then this year it's in Melbourne again. So um, I'm just working out whether or not I want to do it for the third year in a row, because <laughs> it's pretty uh, pretty taxing on the body, but it's rewarding. Well, that sounds very interesting. I didn't know that about you, um, Dan. So um, <clears throat> what about sort of any sort of team sports that you play growing up as well? Or is there any team sports that, that interest you these days? Yeah, you know, the main team sport that I play is business. Yeah. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. Uh, there's two sides of the coin how we work with business owners. One side is helping them to measure where they're at and what they're aiming for and the gap in between. But then the other side is introducing them to people to help them to get things done. Um, and we're finding it one of the biggest distractions is people are saying, yeah, I can help you with this and that. And then when it comes to the crunch, they either don't do it or they don't really know what they're doing. Um, so we're building up a, a private group of people that we trust to refer so that um, you know people don't get the runaround mm. and um, you know just get the job done right the first time. So I'd say in terms of team sports, and because I've been doing profit mechanics for 18 years, um, I've built up quite a good team around me, 
and I would say that's probably the sport. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it's good fun. It's competitive, and yeah, you get to play with money at the same time, which is good fun. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So what what was your first job that you had as that, that you can remember that you had as a youngster? As a um, my first, well, my first entrepreneurial pursuit, I guess, I was in like year three, year four, washing yeah. cars, yeah. and I was the kid with the um, the money box in the bedroom, and uh, you know, it had pretty good money in it. Thinking back, like I was charging ten bucks a car and doing three or four cars a day on some days, so I was doing all right. Um, and then after that fairly quickly I started working my dad's little businesses washing dishes cooking he had restaurants and a coffee shop and even a magic shop at one stage um, and then uh, after that uh, I got into um, oh yeah working in different restaurants and things like that and then uh, Cyril Maloney he owned the Bondi Beach Hotel and a bunch of other pubs and hotels um, and then I got into a family who owned four video stores and they expanded from four stores to 46 stores in about eight years. So that franchise model? Yep, that was Video Easy. Yep. Um, which sadly aren't around anymore. They got no. killed by technology. Yeah. Um, but some of our stores were doing $2 million, 32% net profit. Yeah, I, just, I used to love sort of the, the 90s or the mid-90s, around that sort of time. <clears throat> it used to be good just to go to a video store, sit there and pick out a couple of videos to take home and hire or even by the occasional one yeah we made it a part of people's lives we used to run different competitions and we had different communities of gamers when you only had you didn't have online games then so we'd have in-store competitions and things um and uh yeah we we really took care of our members um 10 of our membership with 33 percent of our revenue so um we really looked after them and basically, uh, the group that I was with, the family business, used to take over stores that weren't performing real well and fix them up. And yep. it was my role to be involved in that, to, to fix them up. And I learned so much out of it. Um, and that's where I learned the importance of databases and having relationships with your clients and, and making your business a part of their life. And if you fall out of being a part of their life, well, usually it's your fault because you don't understand them and okay. you haven't adapted to be able to make that happen. So, so yeah, that was a that was that and then I started flipping my own businesses and I've done from pet food to <laughs> pet food. I mean, that's an interesting one. We involved in pet food for long. <laughs> uh, so, it was a business that was established in like 1976 or something. And um, a few corporate guys bought into it. They, they poured about a million bucks into it and uh, didn't know what they were doing. And um, so they said to me, they wanted one of the directors to move on. So they said, look, if you can get that director to pay X amount of money into the business, we'll let him go and you can have his 55% share. So I negotiated that and I gave 10% to the factory manager and 10% to the product uh, production manager. Um, and we gave it a good hard uh, go. But unfortunately, about that time, this is quite a few years ago, um, diesel doubled in price. Mm. Remember that when that happened in about uh, three months? Yeah. So when that happened, uh, yeah, the cost of freight went up. But what it, the other thing that people didn't see was it actually killed about half the abattoirs in the country. 
mm. because they were already running on the edge and that cost just finished them off. Mm. And then our cost of supply went crazy. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we had 17 distributors um, and been around for a long time. You know, these are families that have been doing this for a long time. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we just couldn't, we couldn't source the stock at a price that was, um, you know, uh, manageable for the business so we had to close it down mm. so, well we actually unsold it to somebody else in the pet industry and and they really downscaled it and it might still be running but um yeah unfortunately that was just one of the one of the challenges of business mm. so yeah yeah pet industry i mean I, <clears throat> i've had one client that sort of uh, it's it's a it's a bit of a process they like there's the roos are all out in western queensland and that they shoot all these there's just a over supply of all these roos and they go out and have people obviously get rid of them mm. and then they turn that to somehow it ends up somehow getting turning kangaroos into pet food and yeah um, well, so we had 22 roo boxes yeah um and the big player in the industry has about 250 mm. uh so there's a bit of competition there out in the fields mm. and uh and yeah the the roos were right down to the carcass being shipped up to the northern territory for yeah. crocodile traps mm. uh every bit was used and our goal was to process 1,200 roux a week. Mm. So we had a big truck used to go out and pick up 600 bodies, as they call it, yeah. uh, twice a week. And these bodies were 130 kilos each. <laughs> so, Not small. No. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was quite, quite a large operation, actually. Um, but as I say, the, the logistics and costs involved, if you don't have the volume, um, it's, it was really challenging to make work. So, yep. so unfortunately, yeah, it didn't work out that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting game to get into and, uh, it, it, you know, long term success. It, it's, you've got to really know what you're doing with something like that. Um, so obviously before you sort of got to profit mechanics, what, what else did, uh, any other sort of businesses that you sort of got into and had experience with and that sort of thing? Yeah, so um, I got involved with a, a few different franchises. Um, probably the fun one was a, the Cookie Man franchise. Um, we started the first one up in North Lakes many years ago when the shopping centre was first built. Um, and we broke a lot of records and um, it was number one in the country out of about, I don't know, 40 odd stores um, quite quickly. And uh, we unsold that. We picked up another one in um, New South Wales. And, um, you know, that was a bit of fun. Um, and other than that, uh, it was just straight into profit mechanics. It was just my passion has always been helping other people. It was kind of like when I took over a business, talking to these business owners and seeing behind the scenes, it, was, it stunned me how much they didn't know. Like even the basics, you know, and you know, being an accountant, like business owners still not even knowing how to do a cash flow forecast. And it's not that challenging. It's, it's just learning how to do it. And I, I guess it's kind of like um, the number of people out there who can't reverse park a car. So they drive past these parks that if they just learned how to reverse park, they'd be able to get into them. Yeah. <laughs> if they just spent half a day somewhere having someone teach them how to reverse park or practicing it'd actually make their lives a lot easier. And I find it similar with a cash flow forecast, sitting down with your accountant or your bookkeeper and just learning how to do that and manage your business in that way. Um, the number of businesses that you know I've sort of helped or taken over, and if they just had that one tool, it could have really changed their, their business experience. 
Um, so my passion is helping people learn these mm. simple things from that to, you know, database management and basic marketing. Mm. Um, that, that's my passion. That's a great passion to have. Uh, you certainly helped a lot of people over many years, uh, Dan, when it comes to that. Uh, I guess on the points of um, it's, you know, it, it's, it's a skill that they certainly would benefit a lot from uh, from knowing. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt that's such an important skill to have to be able to do some sort of forecast and to be able to understand what the numbers are saying and to be able to interpret, you know, what's going on and why this is that and the rest. Like the reverse park, you obviously learn how to do it. And, uh, and I like that analogy. Um, but seeing so many different, you know, clients over so many years, that some do get it, some do understand what, you know, a PL is for, how it all works, you know, how cash flow is going to help them, you know, how that's going to help them get more finance at the bank or make, make them look good if they can sort of produce something. Uh, but then there's so many that don't. There's just a, and it's probably it's probably more than half that really struggle to um, to be able to sort of and some of them even and the the odd thing is the odd thing to me is they could be so much more successful if they, there was that understanding obviously um, but some of them are still somehow because they've got uh, they've got a good bookkeeper or they've got somebody who's closely working with them to be able to take a bit of that head space away from them or something. They still succeed a bit. So if, they, mm. if they've got a bookkeeper, or they've got a good accountant, um, or they've got somebody good there in administration, or you know who's running, sort of running the show in the foreground, uh, that's sort of helping as well. Uh, so it's quite interesting. But you know, it, to me, I, I agree. I, I think you know, even the most you know person with the least amount of understanding should have as much understanding as they can and not be daunted by it. Yeah, it's. Uh and it's really not that hard. And the interesting thing is when people start learning it, they usually quite enjoy it. And they sort of say, wow, it's not actually as complicated as I always thought it was. Um, so we help them to customize it for them. So it's simple, doesn't have anything complicated on there. And then oftentimes what they do is they, they actually get more interested in it and they'll take it to their accountant or work with their accountant more or their bookkeeper more. Um, or even their business managers more because, you know, as Tom Peters used to say, what you measure, you manage, what you manage improves. Um, or if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. We've tweaked it a little bit over the years. Uh, but um, it's, it really does inspire a lot of business owners to um, start them, you know, they, they read E-Myth and E-Myth is great about talking about the challenges of business and what they should be doing, but it doesn't show them exactly what to do. Uh, so we sort of take it to the next step and we find, you know, people get interested in that and then they go, oh, what else could I learn about and get better results from or make my life easier with? So, yeah, it's, um, it's very rewarding and good fun and just introducing people to the fundamental stuff. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> so I guess how we've, we've sort of met, uh, we understand that um, how small a place Brisbane is and we sort of ran in into one another, I guess, uh, you know, a few times over the years uh, before we sort of participated regularly together uh, in a networking group, uh, which is known as BOTS now. Uh, listeners will know that uh, the podcast has probably had about 12 to 15 different uh, members of BOTS on the podcast before. We've had um, uh, Marcel a couple of times. We've had 
uh, who we we had, um, yeah, you know, Bev Ryan, Kevin Ryan, uh, the guy used to be a real estate agent. So there's been quite a few of them that we've had on the podcast uh, as well. So they've all got interesting stories. Everyone is different. Uh, they're all in business together. We sort of, obviously, you had a bit, to, you know, for a while there, you had a bit to do with the, with bots. Um, how did you sort of first come across the group? Uh, can you remember that? Uh, oh, I, oh, wow. I'm actually not sure. Was it ever on meetup.com, something like that? Um, yeah, I'm really not sure. I was doing a bit of speaking at the time, which I don't do so much of these days. So I might have actively sought a business group in the Northern Brisbane area. So I might have found it online, like the website. Mm. Um, so yeah, and it was good. I actually don't do much networking these days. I'm, I'm focusing on working with our licensees and they're like Australia wide. Yeah. Uh, but um, I have fond memories of, of the bots group. There was a, a good, um, I've, I have been a member of other sort of business networking groups and things like that. Uh, and bots was definitely the friendliest. And, you know, I think we did a bit of business out of there as well. Um, yeah, I think I remember last year I had, I think you remember Karen Bonanno? Bonanno? Oh, yeah. Yep. She was on International Women's I think it was an International Women's Day podcast I did last year, which she was on. Right. Um, very lovely lady. So she's been on and, um, yeah, so a few people like that. But, mm. yeah, great group. Uh, I think Marcel did a good job to sort of keep it going and now it's the, the, the membership sort of built up again and they, you know, it, it, Friday seems, seems to work for some people. I know Friday breakfast seems to work for me every second week. So, um, and it's always been at the Rock Lily um, restaurant, which has been, which is not too bad. It's sort of not not so much out of the way, uh, but yeah, obviously forging a lot of different uh, friendships and and connections just through that, and getting guest speakers in from time to time to, to have a chat. Always welcome to come back to Potts and and uh, you're making me reminisce now. I think I might have to. So yeah, we can always have you as even a special guest speaker. You know, that always looking for special guest yeah, speakers I'd every love to every swing so by. often. Yeah. You don't have to come to everything, but. Uh, um, I think that's certainly uh, a good way to reminisce and catch up with the, the old crowd and the new crowd as well, for that matter. Um, yeah, it's, it's certainly a good group. So that's how we sort of had a bit more to do with each other. Um, I remember Fabio used to be part of that group as well, and that's how we got together and did that did that uh, combined uh, net sort of thing next door at the Eddy, actually, um, which was quite good. It was was actually a good event and it was fairly well attended it from my recollection so i think we had close to 50 people at that yeah that was quite a good effort it was about six or seven it was five or six years ago now at least yeah, yeah. yeah. we should do that again that was fun it was fun um we'll have to do another event i don't know when but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but uh fun and it's obviously organization organizing it is the biggest thing but it seemed to seem to does seem to work from time to time so i guess one of the other networking things that you sort of been heavily involved in uh you know since uh late 2014 is the BNCC. What about the Brisbane North Chamber of Commerce, I guess? Uh, uh, we haven't really spoken too much about that on the podcast before, but it's obviously a fairly well-known uh, chamber. Uh, for, the, for the most part, you know, the, the, it's been led by Simon Penrose and it's always had a fairly good uh, executive and a fairly good membership. Tell us what was your sort of... Uh, what have you got out of being on the executive and tell us a bit about the BNCC. Well, um, I've been a member of a few different chambers, mm. and uh, so after uh, sort of checking a few out, I came back to BNCC. Uh, it was um, pretty sure it's the biggest 
we've got about 1,200 people in the database in terms of like oh, if you go to meetup.com, Brisbane North Chamber of Commerce, you'll see there's about 1,200 people on there. And a lot of those have sort of been and gone, um, but it, it's still a considerable database. We've got just under 200 financial members, um, which uh, gets you access to all of the um, Night Hours events, which is each month. Uh, you get access for free. And it's, uh, it's a good, um, you know, chambers, that chamber BNCC has been around now for over 20 years. So it's got the runs on the board. It has. And, and the thing that I found out, I found about chambers when I was exploring them and, and sort of interviewing them, I guess, was uh, most people in business are aware of the Chamber of Commerce. They've heard the term, but they've got no idea what it does. And even members of the chambers don't really know what the Chamber of Commerce does. So if someone comes to you and has that thing, I'll say, oh, shit, fuck, uh, you know, damn, I don't know. What, what is a Chamber of Commerce? What do you, what do you tell them? Yeah. So basically, <laughs> it, it's a great place to actually eyeball and meet people, um, real people face-to-face, and to, to do some, some good business with them. And it, there's a, it's got a lot of elements. Um, but my point when I came to Simon... And, uh, and a few of the other members of the executive was, um, look, how about we put something together to help educate people on what the chamber is and how to get the most out of it? So we came up with this workshop, which we've called the Maximise Your Membership Workshop. We run it every three months or so. We ran it last night. We had, uh, I think we had 22, 23 people there. It goes for a couple of hours. And uh, we walked people through what Chamber of Commerce is, how it started, what our area is, um, who is involved in it, how to get the most out of it. We take them through a bit of a business model as well so that they can apply the database. We give them um, some ideas about how to approach people on the database without spamming them and sort of explain what the rules are. And uh, and yeah, we, we get great feedback. We always do feedback forms at the end of it. I was going through them last night and they're always so positive. And uh, a few people were sort of saying, oh, you've, you've really motivated me to get in contact with people in the, in the chamber and see if we can work out some sort of a win-win or mm. um, it's really inspiring. So, uh, and so my role is to run those, uh, those workshops with uh, Simon as well. He does a part of it. And we usually have one or two other members of the exec team sort of just mm. to be there for support. And it, it's just a, a good, friendly night. And the night hours, we, we have a couple of guest speakers at each event, uh, which is a part of the sponsorship, which makes it free. And we focus on making sure that they do something educational, not salesy. And it's just generally a good night. So, yeah. And uh, a lot of other chambers uh, have sort of been and gone, and they've taken elements of what we do at the BNCC. Mm. But I think we've got it just right i mean we're growing mm, and yeah, yeah. we're getting results so we must be doing something right mm. one event i do want to attend uh, if it's not sold out is that international women's day event you've got coming up actually i, I, I think need to there's check. a few places left but yeah, it's just about sold out i do i did put my it's in my calendar so i do need to you know how busy we get me to go it's still got to go ahead and book it you know <laughs> uh, but it was in my calendar to to go to and i just wanted to go along to, to catch up with some people as well you know do a bit of networking in the in the north brisbane area as well um so but that's that's obviously an annual event yep um 
that's obviously coming up not too f- in the not too distant future as well. So it's sometime in early March, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not positive. I won't say the date in case I get it wrong. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you jump onto um, uh, www.bncc.com.au, yep. um, there's an events tab there. You can yep. see all the info. Um, but I do know it is pretty close to selling out. Yep. Um, last night's event was sold out. Um, and the night hours, we generally get between 80 and 100 people every month come along to that. So I think we're on the edge of upgrading to the next sized room yep. um, at Kedron Way of All Services Club yep. where we have it, um, who are great supporters of the chamber as well. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, uh, if, you, if anyone wants to come along, if first time free, just to come and try it out and yep. we'll welcome you at the door and then if you do want to become a member great if you don't want to become a member and still come along I think it's like 15 bucks because mm. we put on hot food and nibblies yep. and things like that mm. and uh, it's a great night mm. yeah no sounds like it certainly would be a great night so yeah um, the BNCC so you've said it's obviously been going very very strong um, and obviously Simon Penrose is still at the helm I believe so it's obviously going quite well um, what what do you think uh, what do you think members need to be wary of uh, in making sure that their their chamber of commerce experience sort of lives up to their expectations? I mean, what do you think? What what what? Are, I mean, obviously you've seen quite a lot over the last five or six years for for what what's working and what doesn't. What do you think? Uh, what do you think people need to be careful of? Um, number one, make sure you turn up. You're not going to get any results if you don't turn up like consistently for a few months in a row. And number two, make sure that don't try to collect 50 business cards and then, you know, uh, all that sort of rubbish. Um, find five or six people and yeah. have good, genuine conversations with them. And um, the best marketing technique that you can use is help someone. If you can find an introduction to help someone out or just just help them in some way, um, that's where you'll get the results because then word gets around that you are genuinely there to help somebody, Mm. um, to help people. Uh, So if you, number one, turn up and be consistent with that, and number two, just find a few people and have good conversations with them and actually follow up, have a coffee with them Mm. or something like that down the track, be proactive, ring them. We're all busy, but you you have to put the effort in. Mm. Uh, That's where you will get the results. And, uh, yeah, just just focus on doing something um, on quality, not quantity. So uh, a good friend of mine was Jeff Kirkwood back in the day. I don't know if you knew of Jeff. No, we know everyone knows Jeff. I mean, yeah. I, well, not everybody, but I knew Def, Jeff. And mm. uh, um, it's coming up to about, I think, five years ago he passed away. It was quite a while ago. I went to, yeah. his, went to a wake, I remember, at um, Lido's uh, mm-hmm. on Racecourse Road. Uh, but Jeff was obviously big for B&I, um, fairly big for networking generally, a great great speaker etc um yeah and he used to have this um tech- we actually interviewed him for the profit mechanics program because we interviewed about 20 business experts and michael hagan and yep. um uh, uh, uh terry was cooper it, was michael hagan he was the guy at the philippines wasn't he yeah, yeah. so he, he's mini movers mini movers that's yeah, right, yeah so he's got the mini movers guys and so we interviewed him and he tells his story on there. Uh, and so great, great. Actually, if you go to the Prof Mechanics members group on Facebook, um, we actually put that on there so that um, people could hear Mike's story um, because he was working, he worked every day of the year except for two days of the year, Christmas Day and 
one other day. I'm not sure which it was. He did that until he was in his 50s. And then one day he just snapped and said, I've had enough. <laughs> and he built mini movers. Uh, and he tells a story of how that actually happened. And it's such a, a great story for so many business owners who are in that place where Mike was for so long. Mm. And then one day now he's got like 10 companies and he loves mm. it. And he's in the mm. Philippines and stuff. Um, but Jeff Kirkwood uh, was one of the people that we interviewed because, yeah, he did sort of bring BNI to Australia. And we actually took his process that he had, we documented it a little bit and we showed it to him and said, is this kind of what you do? And he was like, guys, that's brilliant. And basically what it was, was just find five people at any networking event that you go to and follow up on those five people. Um, And I think he even had a thing where he'd have the left pocket for people he didn't want to follow up on that he'd put their business cards in (laughs) and he'd put in the top pocket the people that he did want to follow up on (laughs) and he limited that to five. I sort of do that in a little bit of a different way. I'm not sort of there... Well, with this whole podcast thing, uh, one of the passions was, you know, starting my own podcast, getting people's story out there and and doing all of that uh, with the Brisbane theme, you know, to it. So collecting business cards at a, at a at a meet and mingle for the Valley Chamber of Commerce, um, you'd get five or so business cards, and then you'd with the follow-ups, you'd say, "Do you want to be a guest on the podcast?" Type as a way of of doing it. So that seemed to be that's. I mean, I've got eighty-eight episodes. It seemed to be how some of them sort of came. That's for sure. Like there's some people on the podcast I didn't know for uh, for very long before they were on the podcast, and even even some more recently where. I've only just met these people, and it's basically we've got a podcast in front of us. So it's it's quite crazy when you when you look at that and the way you sort of you know sell you you know not sell but tell uh, I guess what you do and how you help people and you know what your passions are and then try to be you know there's a bit of interest in what it, what whatever they're doing and there's you know there's a bit of synergy a lot of the time and people want to get their stories out there and hence there's a guest for the podcast sort of thing as well yeah no and look thanks for having me on mate it's um it's great to catch up with you and to be able to contribute to it and um you know when we first sort of came along i was like um you sort of showing me whereabouts to to find it and everything and now i can easily share that with our group as well Perfect, I'll, yeah. I'll put it in the the profit mechanics members group and um get yep. them to, to share it because most of our group is generally brisbane mm. so uh it's a perfect fit mm. so yeah. It is. I mean, it's good. The good thing about the the podcast, we haven't sp- I haven't spoken too much about the, the actual some of the stuff behind the scenes when we do these podcasts. But um, Wushka is is a very good free platform, and we um, basically it's the process I've got down pat now. So you know, once this sort of podcast is finished, it, you know, within twenty minutes it's up there. It's it's uploaded. I don't do a lot of editing. I just keep it very raw, and uh, and unless there's something really wrong with the audio, I'm, I'm you know, it's 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 going to get uploaded. You know, so uh, and then from there, boom, put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook, share it. There's a now from the Valley Facebook page. There's the website as you as you know, uh, and then the person who you know the person who's featured on the show, they they share it amongst their friends. I can then track on Wushka how many listens it's had. You know, that's the great thing. I can I can see exactly how many listens on on a particular podcast from when it started. You know, and and then can view that. You know day after day week after week and see how how it's changed changes over time yeah which is quite interesting but um have you been on a podcast before dan or not i've done a few here and there yeah um i've done a few um community radio stations and things like that 
Uh, but uh, yeah, not so much podcasts. I mean, I've done a few podcasts, but also just being interviewed by people, like with business groups and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I say, I did do a bit of speaking. A few years ago, I was, I was speaking a bit to groups of accountants, actually. Mm. Um, but uh, now I'm, I'm pretty much... Uh, I'm on the road a couple of days a week meeting with clients. I've got a yep. few clients of my own to to make sure that I'm I'm practicing what I preach to our licensees. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the other days, at the moment, we've got a, a focus on finding um, experienced bookkeepers who have really worked with a lot of business owners and things like that. We find that they're kind of like the nurses doing the rounds. And if something's out of KPI, they alert the doctor. We find that bookkeepers are kind of like that as well. They do what they do and organize these entrepreneurial business owners and everything. And if something's out of whack, they are sort of the um, the people that put the flag up and going, hey, we need to look at this. Mm. So we're sort of thinking uh, <clears throat> if we can work with some of these experienced bookkeepers that want to add more value to the clients that they're working with, mm. then that's a, um, that, that's a really nice position. Um, so yeah, that's what we're working on at the moment. So anyone knows of any if they've got a great bookkeeper out there who would like to you know have a look at adding more value to what they do and helping business owners we'd love to have a chat with them certainly i know quite a few good bookkeepers we refer uh, to some as well uh, on the north side of brisbane in and around brisbane uh, and there's also some just through the the people we know you know as far as friends and networking there's some great ones out there part of some groups where it's obvious you know the skills that that these bookkeepers have a uh, quite prevalent. So I mean, certainly can always give you a bit of a, a few leads there. I guess if that's uh, something you're after as well. Um, I guess so. What I, with the um, I guess evolving, you know, your sort of business over the years and your career, Dan. Uh, who I guess who has been some of the I guess um, mentors or people that you look up to and say well this person certainly helped me a li- you know to this extent you know in my in my sort of professional life um yeah so there are actually people that people wouldn't know but that i've sort of found when i was exploring learning the craft i guess so it's kind of like a good piano player isn't always a good piano teacher <laughs> so i was out there looking for people that could um teach me to teach others this craft of business development and business growth um so and a few of these the people my mentors um like i met with one actually just uh last week Uh, his name's brian brown people probably don't know of him uh but he was with some of the early business coaching sort of franchises and things like that and then developed his own and now he's got quite a large franchise that he's put his skills into building but i caught up with him the other day and uh sitting there having lunch with him I actually realized how much he actually taught me uh so um you know so the psychology of it um so there's probably four or five of those people from the old days uh when business coaching wasn't really around that much and um and yeah so so they were probably those mentors and the other mentors are you know just people who just quietly get on with what they do um so you know just taking elements of them um someone else that i worked with uh who's passed away now uh, his name was anthony davis i don't know if you knew anthony from brightwater partnership no so 
Brightwater was around for um, 16, 17 odd years. We were based in Milton. We had an office in there. Um, there was a few of us. Um, I think there was uh, four or five of us working with clients. And we had a 12 month business planning process basically that we took people through. And Anthony was a real stickler for detail. Like he just <laughs> never met anyone in such detail. And at the time for me, it was painful because I'm like, let's just get in there and get this done and get some results. And he was like, no, no, we have to tick the boxes <laughs> and do it. So, and it was sort yeah. of killing me at first. Yeah. But then I kind of learned that thing of, I saw so much benefit come out of, if we hadn't have done that early on, the mess that it would have created in the future, that it, it kind of really resonated with me. So he was one of my good mentors as well. Um, he was also a very good speaker. And uh, we ran a lot of workshops and things like that. So, and he was a you know Brisbane boy, you know mm. family. Um, so, so yeah. And then you've got the the usual sort of mentors around that we pick things up. You know, we've got Tim Ferriss and things like that who inter- interview interesting people. Do you ever listen to um, Tim's podcast? Yeah, I've listened to quite a few of um, young Tim's. I sort of go by who he's interviewing now. Than, than just listen to everything that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's, the thing I like about Tim is uh, he will go over two episodes with somebody if the information is there sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's um, definitely an interesting guy. Yeah, and he's got some interesting connections as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. And he's certainly, um, what do you think of his books? Yeah, um, got most of them. And uh, yeah, again, they're just great to to jump through to the stories that are of interest to you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the story behind 4-Hour Workweek was interesting. Mm. Uh, I remember the publisher was asking him, you know, how many hours does it actually take you to run this business that you're talking about so, so that you can retire? And it was actually like 20 minutes a week. And the publisher said, well, we can't put that. No one's going to believe that. So we'll, we'll make it four hours a week. <laughs> and so, you know, those little stories in mm. the background um, are always interesting interesting for me. Do you do much, do much reading of books like... Uh, do you do much reading at the moment as far as those yeah. types of books? Yeah, I've always got six or seven books by the bed and oh, really? another five mm. or six books by the, on the floor of the desk. So what are um, some of the books you're reading at the moment? That, you wouldn't believe it. Last week, and uh, my daughter actually bought me um, Richest Man in Babylon. And I've already got a copy of my bookcase side of thing, mm. but she knew that I was into that sort of stuff. And she's picked up Richest Man in Babylon. She's given it to me. And I thought, you know, I'm probably due for another read of that. So, um, yeah, it's just a fantastic parable. Mm. Um, books that I live by would be One Minute Manager. Um, a classic and the audio is fantastic for people to to listen to as well um i'm a fan of unlimited power by anthony robbins yep that's probably three books in one and i suggest people have a good read of that good old think and grow rich i know everyone's heard of think and grow rich but to really slow down and really read it and absorb it um that's something that um uh, Kurek Ashley, I'm not sure if you've heard of Kurek. Um, he was in Brisbane, now I think he's up Sunshine Coast. Um, he, he was saying that that's one of his sort of go-to books. Mm-hmm. Um, another great one is Way of the Peaceful Warrior. So just a nice mindset sort of one to, to remind us to slow down a little bit and to, to focus on the quality, not the quantity. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit of a nerd. I've, I've got the bookcase. Yep. 
um, that almost doesn't fit in the house. <laughs> I did buy a book recently, which was quite interesting. Kitty Flanagan's uh, 488 Rules of Life. That was. I saw that. <laughs> is, is it a good book? Um, it's it's quite interesting. Some of the rules that she's got in there. That's for sure. So, <laughs> so the reason to buy it is to get get a bit of an understanding about you know some of the, what it's, it's a really etiquette sort of you know it's an etiquette type thing really. It's so some of them are interesting. I'm not going to sort of go through. Um, and do the podcast on what some of those things are, but it's, <laughs> it's uh, it was just quite interesting. I mean, it's, it's those things like that are a good read, just when you're wanting to catch a plane somewhere, or or um, yeah, no, it's it's hmm. that's the sort of I mean, I'm reading a bit like that, or someone's biography. That's what I'm sort of into at the moment. Um, Tyson Fury's biography that was is one I got recently. Um, so there's some good there's some good. Um, certainly some good reading but it's good to, to talk to someone who's, who sort of enjoys reading and has seven by the yeah. beard I'm not, I'm not that bad but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah no, so tell us a bit about uh, and then one of one of other Tim Ferriss's books or I think one of them he had two books which sort of relate to this um, one was Four Hour Chef I think yep um, and the other one was uh, Four Hour Sleep or what was it Four Hour um, Four Hour Body yeah Four Hour Body uh, for our chef, and the other one was Tools of Titans and which Tribe of Mentors, yeah, and, yeah. So the 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 ones around the health sort of stuff, what it, and sleep, and the, did you read any of those ones? Um, so I'm a, I, I follow Tim's um, advice on ketogenic sort of yeah. diet. So, so I've been I'm, doing a ketogenic diet myself since about May, May or yep. June. Yeah, yeah. Like about six or seven kgs probably lost in that time. Yeah, no, I think something for people to experiment with. Um, Are you on the ketogenic diet at the moment? Yeah. Okay, yeah. excellent. So um, uh, my goal weight, my competition weight is 77 kilo. Yep. So it's, it's pretty, uh, like I'm six feet tall. So to... To get to, down to for, like a welterweight, that's... Um, well, that's pretty. It's not not easy to do for a six foot tall, yeah, sort of guy. <laughs> and to keep my strength as well, yeah. Um, you know, I'm deadlifting nearly two hundred kilo, so that's it's quite a lot of um, power to get out of a small amount of power. Yeah. Um. So, uh, and keto has got a reputation of not being fantastic for um, strong impact power sort of movements, but it hasn't affected me at all. Mm. Um, so what's your typical sort of day of eating? What, what do you sort of like to eat? Do you do you eat eggs, every, eat eggs and bacon every day or do you eggs? I'm pretty much vegetarian. Yep. So I don't really eat much. Meat? Um, okay. yeah, I, I might have eggs maybe once a week or something. Um, okay. and, uh, I, I might have a bit of fish every fortnight. <laughs> um, yep. that's about it in terms of, so, um, ketogenic, um, basically it's 80% fat. Yes. Uh, about 10 to 15 percent protein, five percent carbs. Um, so, what uh, fats do you eat? Um, so, I also do intermittent fasting. So, I try yep. not to eat before lunchtime. And um, my first thing I have is um, I think it's uh, about 1,700 calories, and that's a, a NutriBullet with a full can of coconut cream, <laughs> half an avocado, wow. okay. <laughs> and uh, protein powder and chia seeds and uh, super greens or spirulina or something yep. all mixed up in that with um, MCT oil mm-hmm. and then I'll usually do gym and then in the afternoons um, usually a big bowl of veggies or salad mm. uh, and I, I, I might have um, some tofu or something like that um, and yeah it, it does me well and I'm full of energy and uh, it's you know I maintain my, my body weight and my strength 
So yeah, it, it just comes down to rituals, you mm. know. Just yeah, that's pretty good. You're avoiding a lot of the um, the meats, you know, that in your diet. That's that's obviously helps quite a lot as well. Uh, the intermittent fasting. I mean, what I've been trying to do lately, uh, Dan, is probably two days a week. I'll probably fast until dinner. I'll, I really, you know, yesterday, for example, was it yesterday or whatever day it was? I'm just trying to think which, no, Monday. Monday I did a fast until dinner and that I found it quite quite non-challenging. To, you know, if you do that a couple of times a week, you can get away with it, I think. It's hard, you can't do them one day after the other, I don't think. You need to, you need sort of one on a Monday and then a Thursday, Friday, or, you know, if you're going to do two a week um, and then just have black coffee all day or not all day, but just two or three black coffees um at uh, least <laughs> yeah well three maybe <laughs> i probably uh, have six <laughs> jesus that's crazy but anyway, that's uh, but it's just black coffee and you you know you i have a bit of cream on in it sometimes as well like do you have you ever had do you ever cream on in the coffee no there? no but or, i usually um, have um, sometimes almond milk. shots um yeah actually you, you um, drink almond milk or not uh no, not so much anymore. But my partner actually has just gone off milk because she found it was upsetting her tummy. Yeah. And uh, she has been trying different almond milks and I whizzed up um, her, her coffee for her sort of mm. in the morning and she had this almond milk which is designed for coffee. And actually, a lot of the almond milks sort of are quite thin and runny. Yeah, and so this got, actually has If you look behind you, body. there's like a little carton of... There's, it might be that stuff, is it? or not? Yeah, I think it might be. Milk Lab. Yeah, it might be that, mm. yeah. So yeah, it was. Um, oh, I was surprised actually. Well, you want to take a carton? Take that. Take, yeah. Take a carton <laughs> as a special guest, a special gift from being on the podcast. But yeah, I've. Um, they're about six. They're about six or seven dollars normally at um, Officeworks. If you're going to just buy one of those, but um, I've got wow. a friend who's a, who runs a cafe, and he, I, just, I just mentioned I liked it, and he just bring in. <laughs> just gave me. Yeah, carton worth or something. So yeah, um, I mean, I don't. I like that almond milk. Um, it's it's probably not. I don't know if it'd be. I would have it every day. I'd probably just to, to break it up a bit. Yeah. Uh, because it's still got some carbs in it, and you just still got to be mindful of mm. your carb count in to a degree. I think. Mm. Um, yeah. No. I'm, so I highly suggest people at least try it out. I think we should try everything. And uh, yeah, I, I've been. I've pretty much been off the meat for probably close to 20 years now but um yeah the keto thing is something i've been doing for uh, seven or eight years and yeah i just feel better on it so stick to it how, how many days a week do you go to the gym uh five think? so you go five days that's, that's pretty solid yeah and my i've got a i've got three coaches so i've got a mindset what? coach a bus- i've got a mindset coach a business coach and my powerlifting coach oh sorry i thought you were gonna say three gym coaches no no, no just just number <laughs> this my um my powerlifting coach um so it's actually up at um uh Brendale, which is it's it's a tin shed mm. a fairly nice tin shed so it's, it's mm. tell me about the other coaches you mentioned you got, you got a mind yeah so i see a psychologist yep um i see her every probably six to eight weeks and i mean i i consider her my high performance coach mm. just to, she asks me questions that make me think a little bit deeper and um you know uh, from the the people that I've sort of studied, um, they have teams of people around them that they trust to get opinions and things like that. So um, you know, and and to play with thoughts and everything else like that. Um, 
and my business coach is my business partner, you know, Keith Banfield, um, which I'm, I'm sure you've sort of, have you met Keith at any stage? I should know the name, but it just doesn't ring, he's, ring he's, right to the top of my head at the he's moment. He's done a lot of speaking and things like right. that. And again, he's um, a very good sounding board and um, he sort of, you know, keeps me accountable and says, okay, what are we doing? When are we doing that by? And let's make sure we get it done. Um, so that works really well. And mm. I think everyone needs those elements in their lives. <clears throat> Um, and yeah, and, and as I say, my powerlifting coach is just to, he's, you know, an Australian champion. He holds some Australian records, I think, walks the talk and um, it, everything that he does. I've got, he uses a, um, a Google Sheets app that I've had for the three and a half years I've been doing it. And I can see every rep and every set that I've done for over three years, just scrolling back and every PB, my comp results, all on this spreadsheet. Um, and it, uh, it's funny how the way that he does that, and he's you know, very good at what he does, um, is similar to what we do with our business development stuff. It comes down to measuring, you know, cash flow forecast, KPIs, database management, marketing results, um, dollar spend for dollar return. Uh, it's just funny how um, professional people who get results are really good at measuring. <laughs> Mm. And they surround themselves with people as well that they share those measurements with to because otherwise you just can't be held accountable. You, yeah. you just, you know, you, you, you're talking <coughs> fluff. Is the, I mean, is the data right and all that? Does it make sense? Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's quite interesting, Dan. Very, very interesting uh, indeed there. Um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think the. What's the hardest thing for you at the moment, do you think, in in general life business what's what's what are you finding them is there something that you find not to say that's a bad thing because a lot of people look at things like challenges and say well it's it's part of life and you know without that there's no good but what what are you finding the most the hardest things at, at the, you know at the moment in life or the most challenging things the challenging thing at the moment is so people say who's an ideal person for you to work with or mm introduced to the company or something like that as a licensee or whatever and our biggest challenge and we call it mindset farming we're just looking for people who are driven to actually find a better way and a lot of people talk it but then when you give them the opportunity they don't actually do it and that is probably our it's kind of um, people have masks and it's working out a way to find out who is serious about actually putting the work in and getting a result and who is just wanting it but won't really do it when the opportunity is put in front of them. And, you know, sometimes um, it's just so challenging to find the right people to invest the time and the effort into and and hopefully they, they come through. Um, so we're working on you know, ways to connect with those people and to as quickly as we can identify who is really serious about putting the work in and getting the result and who is, you know, more of that, oh, that'd be nice kind mm. of a person. Yeah. Um, so that it really is the biggest challenge and, um, and finding... So that's why we put together this private sort of Facebook group because um, we very carefully... How many, screen, how many members of that group? I, I think we're at about 140 Okay. Um, we only started it at the end of last year and uh, we don't really want it to be that big. It, it's a quality over quantity thing. 
Um, and so that, that's our challenge at the moment, finding the right people to get involved in that group and to, to you know, invest our limited asset of time into to help them get a result and, and everyone else who's serious to get a result. So that is definitely our biggest challenge. Hmm. So are you finding the same thing like with people that I you're think working I'm, with? The, the biggest challenge that I'm sort of having, I guess, is... Uh, I, I mean, I do have a way of dealing and managing things and, and sort of, you know, I've, I've been using this bullet journal method for seven or eight months seems to work quite a bit and and it's probably allowed me to miss less stuff but there's always going to be something that slips through the cracks man there's always something Hmm. and it's been able to capture absolutely everything without something slipping off to the side is the biggest the hardest thing for for me Um, because there's this we get so many emails um, we get you know so many emails even though make time in the calendar for this, that, and the rest. There's other stuff that's going to creep in all the time. All this other stuff that, you know, I need your attention. I got your attention. I need I need your attention, you know. This has to be done. This is going to, you know, affect your mindset. This, this, that, the rest, is getting pulled lots of different directions. Uh, it's the challenge of being able to stay on top of it. That sort of doesn't excite me, but it, it sort of challenges me uh, to a degree. And knowing if, once I'm sort of conquering that more, I'm... I'm you're obviously feeling happier about things, but just knowing that you're not always going to be completely in control of everything. Uh, and I think it's accepting that as well and saying, well, this is life that, that, that I'm dealing with at the moment and, and trying to f- juggle it all, trying to make sure we keep as many people happy as we can. We're not going to keep everybody happy and we're just going to live life. Rocks, gravel, sand, water. You know, it's the old make sure you do the, those four important rocks first and then the gravel around that, then the sand and the water. Um, right. It's interesting. Uh, I just remembered as you were saying that someone that Tim Ferriss actually interviewed was uh, Derek Sivers. And Derek owned a company called CD Baby when CDs first came out and he was getting very busy and he sold that for a few hundred million or something. But when he started getting really hectic with life and pulled every way, um, he had an experience where he um, had to learn how to say no. And his rule was, if it wasn't a hell yeah, he wouldn't do it. If it didn't really get him excited and if it wasn't really going to move the needle for him in his life, he just ignored it. He, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't touch it. And it annoyed a few people, he said at, at first, because he was so used to going out there and just doing what he could because... I think he's one of those people who needs to be liked. Mm. And uh, and when he sort of started just saying no and ignoring things, uh, his life just changed. And I, I think um, that it's a good thing to, to think about when we are deciding if something's important or something isn't. If it's not a hell yeah, well, maybe we don't do it. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I've got the, my worst habit is, is not saying no. Um, you know, always saying yes all the time is the worst habit, and it's something that's you, you've got to somehow fix. But I just hate. It's not a matter of hating pissing people off or hating this or that or the rest. It's it's just one of those things that uh, 
sometimes, I mean, how do you switch the way someone's built like that? You've obviously been through this sort of stuff. Yeah, it takes practice. Yeah. Um, I saw a great model of a, um, a circle with 10 arrows coming out of that circle in different directions. And so that could be the 10 different things that you're trying to do equally. And if you get rid of nine of those arrows and put the, those nine arrows into the one arrow and it's 10 times longer, then you've got a whole lot of focus. And it's kind of taking you from being a light bulb to a laser. And, you know, light bulbs don't do much, but a laser can cut through steel. So learning how to cut off distractions, um, like I can't remember the last time I watched the news. Um, I don't listen to the radio in the car. Um, I do very little on Facebook if it's outside of the Facebook group. Um, you know, if I do anything online, it might be something educational through YouTube or something like that from someone that I follow. Um, and uh, I, I think the key is to cut off as much of that distraction as you possibly can. And to, yeah, I, I think that's the trick to being happy and being peaceful, being able to cut stuff off out of your life and simplify things and just focus on the important stuff yeah, yeah. and and have weekends off for goodness sakes <laughs> like yeah that, i mean one thing i do i mean i do sort of try to switch off a bit more when uh, you know from work that is on the weekend i don't i rarely answer an email on the weekend unless not to say i'm not checking them but i i will percolate the answer until monday usually i'll it'll percolate in the system if, if I've seen the email, which mostly or most likely I would have if it, someone sent me an email on Saturday or Sunday, it's probably, you know, if, if, if I can do an immediate and I feel like doing an immediate response, I will. But most of the time I'll just percolate. If it's anything that's that uh, requires any sort of thought whatsoever, mm. I'll let it percolate until Monday. Uh, that's actually interesting you say that because with clients, after I, um, as I meet with clients, I take notes. And then after the meeting, I, um, I I always send an email afterwards of what we're working on and yep. sort of that sort of thing. And then at the beginning of the next meeting, we review those notes, what we're focusing on, where we're at, things like that. Um, so what I used to sometimes do was when I'd get home, I'd go, oh, let's see if I can get all these emails done now so I don't have to worry about them tomorrow. Uh, and uh, But then I started leaving it until the next morning and yeah, I found the same thing, percolating on it and just sort of sleeping on it overnight. I found that the emails the next morning that I was doing with clients, taking from the notes, they just came out much clearer. And yeah. it's like my unconscious kind of unraveled it a little bit. And so now, no matter what's going on, I always do my, um, my, my client reports, we call them, the next morning. And, uh, you know, if, if I've got four to do, then I'll get up at six in the morning or 5.30 yep. in the morning to do them. Uh, and it just works really well. My body just seems to be in that routine now, that ritual. Mm. And it, it's, yeah, it's just easy. I don't think about it. Yeah, it's certainly... Um, <laughs> I mean, and then obviously going back to the, to the bullet journal, I'll, at the start of the day, I'll get my pen and paper, I've got the date, write all the dot points that I want to get done of that day or that if, you know, so if, I do, I don't get, if I don't get them all done, then you've got to circle them and put them to the next day. Or. So, so I've got a A4 spiral sort of notepad that mm. I use. And on the first day of every month, I fit onto one page what my goals are for that month. Yeah. And I'll split it yeah. up into personal business, things like yeah. that. So a little bit like that too, like you, you basically, 
well, this is probably the book last year's probably makes more sense, but um, setting up something like that. So there's the there's the month there. There's all anything important that's happening on a particular day, important tasks, and then other subsections. So if I'm doing estate planning and jobs, those are the ones I'm working on. Podcast people to chase up. <laughs> yeah. What that lady's what I want heard it. What she's working on. What fucking that person's working on. That person. Etc. Etc. And then yeah, it's fucking yeah. That's the, the monthly, and then the first six months we just do that, uh, and then there's the daily sort of shit. Yeah, so I, I call that the messy section. Yeah. So between each month of my total summary, I've mm. got all these little notes and bits and pieces, and some days I'll sort of map out and things. Yeah. Um, and the thing that kills me is having to rewrite things from that monthly page onto the next month. Like doing that just kills me. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. So that's um, that's the, the what I've been uh, doing now probably for I don't know ten years, and I just find it clears my head. If I'm doing stress about something, I know it's not on that page. Yeah. So uh, that's that that's how. And I've suggested that method to lots of people as well. And if they follow through with it and really sort of fine tune it for themselves, it generally works a treat. The other one is uh, we have a weekly schedule page, just an A4 page. It's got 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. down the left-hand side and Monday to Sunday across the top. And then in the grid, just put in there um, what things you do routinely. And then on the outside of that, actually record the things that you do. And when you write it down, something happens to the human brain where it contemplates it a bit more deeply and uh, it, it ends up, you kind of make the activity on that form what you want it to be. Uh, getting things out of the brain onto paper is probably the, um, the number one human skill for um, moving people forwards to be able to see their activity and productivity. Mm. Um, I might take a, a, just a photo for the podcast while, before I forget that actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, that's been great to have you on today, mate. Is there any, anything final, I guess, that you wanted to say? I think we've sort of run out of, ran over the hour, an hour and five at the moment. So Yeah, mate, look, basically, um, love to catch up with people. Yep, Brisbane North Chamber of Commerce, come on down, come and say hi. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you'd like to have a chat with me, reach out to me. Um, if you'd like to check out the Profit Mechanics members group on Facebook, please do. Um, there's a whole bunch of tools and resources and things like that there. And um, yeah, look, good on everyone who is involved in the business world as well, you know, to actually have a go. I know business is tough. Um, I just met with a client just earlier today explaining how, um, you know, everything has gone up in expenses wise and she's got employees coming to her saying you know can I get a pay rise and things like that and yet her clients are squeezing her down on price and it's it's a challenge to to work out how to make business work these days because things are going up and changing rapidly mm. so to everyone that is having a go out there you know good on you for doing it and just someone out there has a solution for you so work out how to find that person and learn from them, ask them. There's an easier way. There's always an easier way. It's just a matter of you finding that person and, um, and working out how to incorporate that easier way into your life. Mm -hmm. If it's hard, something's wrong. Mm 
Mm. So find something to make it easy and then you know you're on the right track. Yeah. So that's... Look, thanks so much for having me on and we've got to catch up more often, man. It's we definitely do. It's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's uh, I'm glad I've got you on now. So it's been great. We've had a good conversation well over an hour, but it's been quite good. It's quite uh, useful for the, to the listeners if they listen. Uh, definitely, um, it's, it's uh, you know, you know you, you, what you sort of do, I guess, Dan, for, for small business generally um, here in Brisbane, you know, shouldn't be underestimated. It's it's quite it's quite uh, a fantastic service that you do provide. Number one, with Profit Mechanics, uh, you've been around the block more than a hundred times. Um, but but also like what you've you know obviously what you've done with the Brisbane North Chamber of Commerce, obviously being on the executive committee the last five or six years. Uh, how you sort of steered the membership there? The membership's in a good in a good spot. Um, I mean, I don't get to along to as many events as I'd love to get along to when it comes to BNCC. Um, have been to events, uh, obviously, in the past as well and look forward to going to something, uh, a couple, you know, certainly before the end of June or, you know, over the next year anyway. So I do look forward to that. But, uh, and it, you know, with people like yourself on the board, it, it's only going to go in a, in a, in a direction which is uh, going to be very positive for the Chamber generally, you know. Um, uh, it, it just feels like it's uh, you know you're, you've got the right sort of mindset, the right sort of attitude, the right sort of experience in order to be able to steer things. Uh, so yeah, keep up the good work, my friend. It's been great to have your podcast. Don't be a stranger to bots. Call in on a on a Friday morning one day. Matt, we'll, we'll, I'm uh, there. I'm booking it um, in. Yep. I might even mention to Bev who who sort of books all the the guest speakers that uh, we've probably got an, a guest speaker we can bring along at some point um, over the next few months. So uh, thank you very much, Get Dan. that noughts and crosses happening. <laughs> <laughs> Good old noughts and crosses. Thanks, man. <laughs>